You're listening to the Misty Creek Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Misty Creek Community Church, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. Today's message is from Senior Pastor Stephen Street. Let me ask you a question about Jesus. You think Jesus ever showed up late to anything? Did he ever show up late to the synagogue, I wonder? Probably not, but the rest of us are human. We show up late to things, don't we? All the time. You're, you're one of two kind of people. You either show up late or you get there really, really early. You know what I'm talking about? And if you're in a marriage where one in the couple always gets to places early and then the other one always late, it makes it difficult, doesn't it? And you hope sometime you get to a place actually on time, but it usually doesn't work out that way. Do you think Jesus was nervous preaching in his hometown? Do you think preachers ever get nervous when they preach? I'll be honest with you, I don't. (laughs) I don't get nervous. Maybe at some point I used to be nervous. But you know, when you stand up in front of two, three hundred teenagers for nearly 20 years, you don't get nervous anymore. And you might think it's, you know, difficult to prepare a a sermon for, you know, a multi-diverse generational group, but it's more difficult to prepare a message for teenagers. Even if it's like a five-minute Sunday school lesson like we had this morning, you put effort into it in time because you, you want to be able to reach them where they are. And I believe this message is going to reach you where you are. So I'm inviting you to not just open these ears, but open the ears of your heart this morning. No one could have anticipated what Jesus was going to say in the synagogue that day. They just in all of his presence. He wasn't just going to interpret God's word that day in the synagogue. He was going to fulfill it. Wow. That's a service to be remembered. I believe today's service and the consecration you just experienced will be a service to remember. We're going to remember this date, January 23rd, 2022, the rest of our lives. Just like many of us are going to remember November 22nd. 2021, when we closed on this property. Those are dates we're going to remember, aren't they? Birth dates, anniversary dates. Well, you better remember the anniversary dates for sure. So this passage that Doug read this morning, that Jesus read in the synagogue, was from the prophet Isaiah, who lived about 700 years earlier. But instead of interpreting this passage for his listeners in the synagogue, Jesus simply ended his reading of the scripture with these words, Today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. That's how he ended it. I guarantee you that nobody was expecting that. If there were microphones in Jesus' day, that would have been the perfect mic drop for Jesus. Today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Boom. Because Jesus was a local boy, a carpenter from a family of modest means, had just announced that he was the Messiah sent from God. That's that's big. And they weren't expecting that. How's that for something to talk about over Sabbath lunch? I don't know what you talk about over lunch after church on Sundays, I hope. Maybe it's the things of God and what what you learn and how you experience the Holy Spirit. I hope that's part of it, rather than whether your brisket was done right or your burger was done or whatever you eat for lunch on Sunday. And by the way, do you call it lunch or do you, like my family, we call it Sunday dinner and then the evening meal is supper. But I'm old south, y'all. I'm Old South. Some of you Northerners are like, what are you talking about? You know, 
You have not gotten the concept of sweet tea yet. You're still struggling with that. So what do you do? You drink it unsweet. You might as well go and fix some dirty water, right? Some of you mix it, you know, half and half. But I'm still the boy. If I drink it, I don't drink it that much anymore. My mother made a gallon of sweet tea with two full cups of sugar. It'll set you free when you drink tea like that. Now you know. I'm not just a wind-up toy. It's the caffeine and the sugar. I only drink it now on special occasions. But I do like it. I really do like it. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> you're the one that drinks. Your sister's the one that drinks the sweet tea. My goodness. Yeah, you do too. There's a gallon of it in my refrigerator right now. So they didn't expect Jesus to talk like he talked. You know, the nation of Israel had waited for a thousand years for God to send his Messiah, his anointed one. They believed the Messiah would be a descendant of King David, observant of Jewish law, a righteous judge, a great military leader. They didn't expect that one of their own would claim the title for himself. They didn't expect this. So what was Jesus talking about? If he was the long-awaited Messiah, the hope of the nation, then what was God revealing about his nature and his plan for the world? The first thing we learn, and this is in your notes today, it's going to be on the slides too, is that Christ came to bring good news to the poor. That's a vital truth to understand about the Messiah. He came to bring good news to the poor. It tells us much about God's heart and about God's character. When you have good news to tell, who do you want to share it with? You want to share it with those most affected by that news, and in this case, it's the poor. Think about our society. How would you like to be poor in America? How would you like to have limited access to health care? How would you like to own a car that you could not keep in good repair? That sometimes breaks down in the most inconvenient times. How would you like to watch your children's teeth rot out because you couldn't afford a trip to the dentist? I could go on and on, but you get the idea. I used to, on every Wednesday of the church I served in North Georgia, three of the poorest counties in North Georgia participated in a food pantry that this church had. And every Wednesday, I would come out amongst those who were there to receive their food boxes, and I would do a devotion. And a lot of times, I'd bring my guitar out and would sing, and for many of them, that was their only church service for the week. And they, some showed up, listen to this, even after they had their own means and they didn't need to get food boxes anymore, they would come for Wednesday for the devotion and for the worship time, and it was amazing. But I remember looking down the hallway at the number of children and even adults who obviously didn't have good access to dental care or couldn't afford it. I would see the parking lot filled with cars, and as those parking lots would leave, I would see all of the oil stains and transmission fluid stains in the parking lot because they couldn't afford to get those leaks fixed. But they were some of the most sweet, loving, kind, generous people I'd ever met. And we worshiped together on Wednesdays. Put yourself in their shoes. If you didn't have the money to get your bald tires replaced, and you needed to. In the most affluent society in the world, there are still people for whom everyday life is a nightmare, folks. They don't look forward to every day. And so you better believe when you collect sleeping bags and gloves and scarves and toboggans or beanies, whatever you like to call them nowadays, and you give it to someone who doesn't have those things, or they have those things, but they're wet and they're moldy, or you give a tent or a blanket to someone 
whose tent was destroyed because of ice or the snow, that's a big deal that makes a difference. So the next time you're putting that sleeping bag into the trash bag to, and, and label it and the gloves or whatever you have that you're going to give, realize that somebody's going to use that and it's going to keep them warm. It may even save their life. That's the kind of people that I'm talking about that Jesus came to seek and serve, folks. Those are the people that Jesus is most concerned about. Is he concerned about you? Obviously he is. But he also wants to empower you to be able to serve the least of these. And when it comes down to it, you and I too are the least of these. Because many of us don't experience material poverty. We experience a poverty of the soul. And I'm going to speak on that in just a few moments. You see, Jesus identified with the least and the lowest. It's no accident that the first bed that Jesus ever laid in was where cattle fed. It's no accident that Jesus spent his adult life with, a home of, with no home of his own. He didn't have a house, pretty much. He didn't have any possessions beyond what he could carry. And he traveled town to town sharing the message of love, God's love, with everyone he met. That's Jesus' life summed up right there. Regardless of how many affluent pastors might love their state-of-the-art air-conditioned church sanctuaries with their coffee bars and their bookshops and valet parking lots, we cannot forget, and I will not forget, that Jesus died on the cross naked and empty-handed. That's why I believe you love this chapel so much. Because it's simple. We don't really have much wasted space in here, do we? It's just simple. And the Holy Spirit is here. How many times have you walked through a church building and there's this hallway and space and stairwells that are empty, classrooms that are empty, not being used, and you think, man, a lot of wasted space here. Let me just say this to you. And our architect and, and chair of our renovations team is with us this morning and some of her team's here. There's not going to be wasted space here, folks. This entire campus will be used to make disciples of Jesus Christ. We can guarantee you that. And that might even mean a basketball goal out back here because we're going to play basketball with kids and whoever else comes up and we're going to tell them the story of Jesus as your pastor is draining the three like Larry Bird. Yes, a flick of the wrist is all it takes. I may not jump. I may not run anymore. I may not be able to cross over anybody, but I still have the mechanics. It's still there. Right, Harlan? You still got it, too. I bet Harlan could go out and just drain shots. I can just tell that about Harlan. So I wanted us this morning just to revisit for a moment what God is doing to serve the least in the law. So many things start with you deciding, I'm going to make a difference, and I'm going to take a leap of faith, and I'm going to serve and do what God has called me to do. And when you do that, there's such a feeling of accomplishment and satisfaction, not in look at me, but look at God, and look what God can do when we are obedient to him. You know, God cares about the poor, folks. When I say that, I'm not putting limits on God's love. I'm declaring how limitless it is. You can measure the limit of someone's heart by how well they can love others whom others ignore. They may be overlooked, left out, and powerless in the world, but in God's kingdom, the poor are precious and held close to his heart. He loved them so much, he chose to walk in their shoes. And he calls us followers to do the same. 
Jim Wallace is the founder of the Sojourners community and the magazine of the same name. The Sojourners community advocates for peace and social justice based on the teachings of Jesus. Their ministries focus on meeting the needs of the poor. When Wallace was in seminary, he and his classmates were deeply impressed by all the verses in the Bible emphasizing God's concern for the poor. So they took a Bible and a pair of scissors, and they cut out every verse that related to justice for the poor, not exploiting the poor, sharing your resources with the poor, and God's love for the poor. As author Richard Stearns wrote about their project, they wanted to see what a compassionless Bible looked like. By the time they finished, nearly 2,000 verses lay on the floor, and a book of tattered pages remained. They wanted to see what a compassionless Bible looked like. It looked threadbare. When you read the Bible, especially when you read the words of Jesus, God in the flesh, God's compassion leaps off the page. And so Jesus' first publicly recorded sermon begins with the words, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. So the second thing we learn is that God loves, God's love covers everyone who is hurting. God's love covers everyone who is hurting of every station in life. Jesus' next words in this passage are, He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus meant these words literally. In his life on this earth, he set people free. He healed them. He stood up for those who were oppressed. He welcomed the rejects and looked out for the forgotten. He was a voice for the voiceless. Jesus never wavered from his mission to bring hope, healing, and freedom to those who were most in need, including those whom he called poor in spirit. And that's an interesting phrase, don't you think? Blessed are the poor in spirit. That's a beatitude. You can be wonderfully gifted and still be poor in spirit. And I told you I was going to revisit that for a moment, being poor in spirit. Christ came to bring a message of hope and salvation to a world desperate for the love of God. And no matter how good our life may look on the outside, many of us suffer from a poverty of the spirit. Many of us are imprisoned by shame and anger and envy and guilt and fear and sorrow. And no amount of money or titles or friends or accomplishments can fulfill that sense of ippiness or fear or hopelessness. Author Jack K. writes, We all know people who live in hell in the most eloquent and luxurious environment and others who radiate heaven though they live in poverty and drabness. Poverty is a condition not of the body, but of the soul. I have folks come to me who on the outside appear like they got it going on financially, materially. But they come to me with a sin-sick soul, a poverty of the soul. And no amount of money can fix them. And yet what does society tell you? What are all the commercials that you watch and you see in between football games and everything? It's about money. Nothing wrong with investing and making sure you're taken care of. But to the point we lose focus of what's most important. Some of the people I 
minister to in hospice tell me that they wish they had slowed down and not worried about making so much money because they missed out on life and relationships. And now they lay there with their bank account full and plenty of investments, but they're dying. And now we've got to help them decide with their end of life what to do with all of that. I often will bring up the church when it comes to that. <laughs> Not Mr. Creek necessarily, because most of my patients aren't affiliated. Well, I don't have any patients right now that are affiliated with Misty Creek, maybe down the road. Um, not wishing for that, but wanting you to know that you will receive quality care when that time comes. Whether you're in hospice care or not, you're going to receive that care from this body, not just from me and not just from Doug, but this body of ministers here will care for you through every stage of life. So poverty is a condition not of the body but of the soul. Missionary... Adam Judson spent 38 years ministering to the people of Burma. Judson spent 38 years there. Now, you might know of that area as Myanmar. He and his wife, Anne, spent six years in, the, in ministry to the Burmese people before they had their first convert. At one point, Judson was thrown into prison after being suspicioned of being a spy. While in prison, his wife, Anne, died. After his release from prison... He contracted a debilitating disease that dogged him for the rest of his life. And yet this man who suffered so much in his life is famous for his unwavering faith and tireless commitment to serving God. He was known for the saying, the future is as bright as the promises of God. The future is as bright as the promises of God. Can you imagine someone who's lost their wife and been in prison and had a debilitating disease coining that statement? Do you trust God's character and power enough to believe in God's promises no matter what your current circumstances? There's a great shield against the poverty of spirit that haunts so many people today. There is. That's a great shield that haunts us. It protects us from that poverty. The final thing that we learn from today from the Bible passage, is that God brings us hope no matter what our circumstances. He brings us hope no matter what our circumstances. And hope is freedom for those in bondage and wealth to those in poverty. Let me say that again. Hope is freedom for those in bondage and wealth to those in poverty. Because this passage shows us we have a God who loves us and cares about our challenges and our heartbreaks, our suffering. He cares about it so much that he endured them himself. He endures our challenges. He endures our heartbreaks. He endures our suffering. He walks a mile in our shoes, right, Doug? He walks with us. He talks with us. When we understand that kind of love, we can live more joyfully and freely because we know a God who loves us that much will comfort and strengthen and provide for us in all circumstances. I want to tell you a story now. I'm going to go ahead and forewarn you. You may shed some tears from this story, and I may as I present this story to you. It's a true story. It took place during a depressed time in the United States, financial depressed time. Eddie Ogan is a woman of amazing faith in God, which she learned from her mother, who had raised Eddie and her six siblings. One of 
Eddie's favorite stories from her childhood involves the Easter of 1946. One month before Easter, the pastor announced that the church would be collecting a special offering for a needy family in the community. After church, the Ogan, Ogan family discussed how they could give sacrificially to the collection for the needy family. They decided to buy a real big bag of potatoes and live off that bag of potatoes for an entire month. This would save them up to $20. They also decided to use as much electricity as possible for that much to save money on the electric bill. So they didn't turn on the lights hardly. They hardly used any of the heat or anything. The children volunteered to get yard work and babysitting jobs to raise money. They even bought yarn to weave potholders to sell in the neighborhood. Eddie reports that this month before Easter was one of the most joyful her family had ever experienced. They were so excited to see their offering money grow a little bit more each day. They couldn't wait for Easter Sunday when they could put their money in the offering plate. The idea that they could help someone in need, that they could pass along some of the blessings God had given them, gave them so much joy that the extra sacrifices and work became fun. They started enjoying eating potatoes for every meal. That Easter Sunday morning came. A heavy rain poured down on the town. Eddie and her siblings put cardboard in their shoes to cover the holes in the worn places as they all walked to church. They had raised $70 for the special offering, and they couldn't contain their smiles when they placed the bills in the offering plate. After church, they sang all the way home, in the rain, by the way, and celebrated with an Easter lunch of boiled eggs and potatoes. To their surprise, the pastor knocked on their door that afternoon. He spoke briefly with Eddie's mother and then left. When Miss Ogan came back into the kitchen, all the joy had drained from her face. She had a stone face. In her hand, she held an envelope containing that morning's special offering for the needy family. That envelope held $87. Eddie and her siblings were in shock. Suddenly, they understood that they were the poor family in the church. They never thought of themselves as poor. In fact, they felt sorry for families who didn't have the blessings they had. They had love and faith and good friends and a safe home. A sadness settled over the house that week. No one, no one touched that special offering money. The children even protested when their mother woke them up for church the next Sunday. They didn't want to go. Miss Ogan insisted, we're going to church. That's never an option. That morning, there was a missionary visiting the church. He spoke of his work in Africa and the needs of the churches there. He asked the congregation to contribute to putting a solid roof on an African church. All it would cost was $100. Remember, this is 1946. Miss Ogan looked over at the children. They looked back at her, and the whole family began to smile. Without saying a word, Miss Ogan pulled the envelope with the sacrificial offering out of her purse. When she dropped it in the offering plate, 
the joy returned to the Ogan family. And imagine the missionary's joy when he thanked the church for raising enough money to buy a new roof for a church in Africa. He remarked to the pastor, you must have some rich people in this church. And Eddie Ogan wrote, suddenly it struck us. We were the rich family in the church. Hadn't the missionary said so? From that day on, I've never been poor again. I've always remembered how rich I am because I have Jesus, Eddie said. I'm rich because I have Jesus. Can you say that with me? I'm rich because I have Jesus. I'm rich because I have Jesus. I'm rich because I have Jesus. You have Jesus. You don't need anything else. You don't need anything else. You don't need anything else. You have Jesus. You don't need anything else. That's all you need. You don't need anything else, do you? You don't need anything else. You just need Jesus, don't you? That's all you need. I don't need this watch. He keeps the time. In a day for him, it's like an eternity, folks. It's a thousand years. Who's going to pick all that up for me? <laughs> Hope that phone case didn't break t uh, your ankle over there. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. The deepest question of the human heart is, is there a God? And I know you saw that on the slide that Carl created all week long on Facebook and social media. Is there a God? That's a question. After that question is another question. If there is a God, what is God like? In Jesus' first publicly recorded sermon, he answers both questions. You want to be equipped to share with people that there is a God? Here it is, folks. He answers it in this, 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 this sermon. God is right here with you. He's come to bring good news. And he cares about those who are hurting and in need. Doesn't that tell you everything you need to know about God's character? Isn't that a God you can trust with your life? With all my heart, I believe so. And I hope and pray that this morning you will trust your life to the God who has come to bring you good news. Yesterday and today, this weekend, we're breaking a fast that we've been in. Thank you. Some of us broke it yesterday because we started a little early. Some of you are breaking that fast today and you've... Um, You've given up a lot of things. Maybe one thing in particular. Some of you just weren't ready to do this yet. And you're working on it. You know what? That's okay. That's okay. There will be a time when you will be ready to do that. So we thought it appropriate today to break the fast by having Holy Communion. For some of you, this will be your first, like, true meal. But you want to know something? This is the only meal that will fill you up. 
For when you feed on the food and drink of the Holy Spirit, you'll never thirst and hunger again. That's the difference, Lord, I'm, uh, world and people. <laughs> so as we come to the table today, I want you to, to acknowledge that God is dispensing His grace to you, an outward invisible sign of His unconditional love for you. And that love cost Him a price. But the only thing it costs you is surrender. Surrender of your heart, your mind, your spirit, your body, your soul, everything that you are. Pretty much like the hokey pokey says, put your whole self in. Just put your whole self in. Let go and let God and receive Him. And so, I'm going to have Reagan help me. We're going to center this makeshift altar today we have, a communion table. And that outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace is this sacrament of Holy Communion. Grace is a shorthand way of expressing God's unconditional love for us. When I picture unconditional love, there are, there are two images I have. The first image is God. Unconditional love. Has no boundaries, has no barriers. The second image that I picture in my mind today is a lady who's having her birthday today. And that's my mother-in-law, Joyce Bird. She is selfless, not selfish. And she shows unconditional love to everybody she comes in contact with. She only gets that love from God. And that's what happens when you surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You love everybody, no matter who they are, no matter what their background, and you want to serve everybody. And you may not throw your wallet and your keys and stuff like I just did, but these material things, they're not important anymore. They don't matter. What matters is what you do for the cause of Christ and how you serve the least of these. That's what matters. And that's how Christ will recognize you when you reach eternity one day. Yes, He will assess what have you done. Remember that song, What Have You Done For Me Lately? What have you done for me? And that says, What have you done for the least of these? How have you served me through the least of these? We hope you were inspired by today's message. For more sermons from Misty Creek Community Church, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you like to stream your podcasts. You can also watch videos of our sermons and complete services on the Misty Creek Community Church YouTube channel. And while you're there, be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. For more information about our church, including our mission, location, service times, and more, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. God bless you, and thank you for listening.